All right. Well, my good friend, Crystal Hawkins, is bringing the word this morning. And so can we make her feel welcome as she comes up and gets ready? I'm so grateful for Crystal. I mean, we're, we're lifelong friends at this point. Crystal's my sister. I love her. Um, I am so grateful for all of you that we get to hear what God has laid on her heart this morning. And I just simply want to say this. Crystal is the real deal. The, the passion that you see in worship on Sunday morning is not a switch that she turns on because it's Sunday and it's time to lead worship. That crystal is the crystal you get on a random Tuesday afternoon with a house full of kids. Mm. She loves Jesus um, and she's faithful to him. And so you're a good friend. You're a good wife, a good mother, um, but you're an awesome daughter of the King. And I love you. you. And I'm proud of you and I'm thankful for you. Love so, you. Thank you. all right, well, let's pray together for our sister mm-hmm. as she gets ready to bring the word and then let's prepare our own hearts to receive. So mm-hmm. Lord, thank you for Crystal and her walk with you. God, thank you for everything you've laid on her heart this week. Mm-hmm. And now Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fill her once again, fresh and new with your presence, that she can speak with boldness and clarity from her heart. Mm-hmm. And Lord, prepare us. God, may we be ready to hear and receive what you have for us today. Mm -hmm. Give us ears to hear it, minds to understand it. But God, beyond our brains, Lord, would our hearts be ready to receive from you that we could put into action what you have for us today. And so God, we commit Crystal to you and we commit our own hearts to you this morning. In Mm -hmm. Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Go for it. Thanks, friend. All right. Telling you what, it, it is... It's weird wearing this headset. I said I feel like a pilot or like I got headgear. It's like real awkward. So here we go. All right. So as far back as I can remember, my mom has always been a gardener. Um, When I think back and kind of visualize my childhood, my earliest memories, even at five, I remember being in our second house in Eugene, Oregon, and my parents had created this vegetable garden. And I remember watermelon and corn and peas. And every house that we grew up, or that we lived in, my mom was always cultivating a garden. Um, the childhood house that I grew up in, the one I consider to be the one I grew up in. I mean, I remember so much color. We lived on six acres. And she had hydrangeas and fuchsias and bleeding hearts and black-eyed Susans. It was colorful and it was beautiful. My parents had dug out a little man-made pond and there's like all these aquatic plants and all these bullfrogs that would come and would gather there and we'd sit out there on summer nights and just listen to them sing and talk. And it just, when I, when I think back, it was, it was a place of beauty and it was a place that was really it was sacred. My mom always was either in prayer or she was in the garden. And she always either had a Bible in her hand or like some sort of gardening tool, like a spade or a fork or something. That's how I've always thought of her. That's who she is still today. And the thing is, is that my mom was always um, faithful to cultivate the land that she had been given and subdue it into a place of beauty. That's who she is, it's what she does. And, and as a child, it was something that I just didn't think a whole lot of. I just knew we have a beautiful yard. I love to play in it. I love to be in it. But as an adult, I look back now and I see what kind of a spiritual thing this is. This cultivating the land that we've been given, the space that we've been given, the life that we've been given, and bringing beauty into it. And it reminds me of the very beginning and our Father God the ultimate supreme creator who, when the earth was void, it was nothing, just a big hunk of nothing, it's a blank canvas, there's nothing there. Him and his supreme creativity visualizes in his his mind, however that looks, earth and what could be in humanity, and he speaks it into being. And then I I want us to start here at Genesis 2, starting in the second half of verse 4. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. 
Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he placed the man that he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. So he creates this beautiful place. And the amazing thing, it always just confounds me that we're the only things, the only part of his creation that he forms. I think of like a kid sitting on the seashore and, and forming a sandcastle or some kind of creation that they're making. He forms man out of the dust of the ground and we're the only ones that he doesn't say, have life, have breath in your lungs. He leans in close and he breathes the breath of life into their lungs, into Adam's lungs. I mean, really, it, it speaks of intimacy and what we were created for. We're, we're created for relationship with the Creator, to enjoy Him and His goodness and His beauty and the beautiful world that He had created. And we know that we don't know the length of time, but we know that things do change. Let's look at Genesis 3, starting in verse 17. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the spread of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust." The thing is, is that we were made in the garden to enjoy communion with the Creator in the garden, and when sin enters in, the literal ground becomes cursed. And really, so do we who were made from the same ground. There's an author that I've been reading the past five or six years named Hannah Anderson, and her husband is a pastor in rural Appalachia in Virginia. And so her writing has just always been really special to me. Um, it is very agrarian in nature. She speaks a lot of just nature and cultivating plants and the spiritual ties therein. And something that I read from her that I think really speaks to this is the good news about soil, even poor soil, is that it can be cultivated. You may not be able to control the kind of ground you inherit, but you can control what you do with it. The good news about those who have been made from the earth is that we too can be cultivated. And that's really what we're gonna be talking about today. What does it look like to cultivate beauty and hope in a land of brokenness? Genesis opens with a tree of life. We know that Revelation closes with a tree of life. But in the in-between, there's a seed of hope that runs through and it's fulfilled in Jesus. There's promises of reconciliation throughout the scripture. There's promises of redeeming love. It's made manifest in Christ and in him, we're called to be carriers of that hope. Cultivators of beauty to the glory of God called to point those living in the land of brokenness to the one who's making all things new. Just like we just sang, just like what Jake just said. He's making all things new and he invites us into this journey. He's making us new. He wants to use us in redemption, our stories. So let's pray one more time and we'll kind of get into this thing. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are making all things new. Thank you for your redeeming love. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to know, God, you better. God, that we would see that you have made each of us wonderfully, God, with plans and with vision and 
God, what does it look like to be carriers of hope and cultivating beauty? God, what does that all mean? God, I pray that you would, you would help us all to catch that vision, Lord, and to join you in that work, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so my mom's always been a gardener. I've always thought there was something beautiful about that, but we had four kids in a row, and there's a long period of time where I'm like, getting after houseplants. I got lots of houseplants. But tackling outside was, I didn't have the time for it. It was intimidating. But last year, like a lot of people, it was like, we're home. We got nowhere to go. Let's start this garden thing. And so we had set up a couple of raised beds in our side yard. We had half an acre, a quarter of an acre? Half. So there's just a little section of our yard. It was like, I think we could grow something here. So we built these beds, total trial and error, which I'm learning is truly just, that's all of gardening in general, which is comforting for a novice. But this year, in the winter time, I'm kind of thinking and dreaming and scheming, like, what, what can we do to adjust this and like make it bigger and make it, you know, the place that I really can think of in my mind. And I come to Alex and I kind of show him like, what if we move those beds from last year over here? And what if we put up a fence and we rip out the grass and we fill it with gravel? And I had all this, this idea in my mind. And Alex said, yeah, let's do it. And we got after it. And we rented big tools from Home Depot and we're like ripping out grass and he's like, taking it across the yard and dumping it, and we're using the same thing to bring in the gravel. And I mean, it was a big thing. But the cool thing was is that we had that vision, and so the labor that went in, it's like we knew what we were working towards. It was worth it. We were willing to put in the blood and the sweat and the tears in order to like make this thing become a reality. I want to look at the scripture, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Like, God had vision for each and every one of us as individuals as he was knitting us together in our mother's womb. He placed within us those very things that are our strengths, weaknesses even, things that would just stir up our hearts and our affections and our desires, he placed those things within us. And it really, it's something that I see the Lord standing and surveying the landscape of our hearts and our lives. And man, he has vision for us. He has plans and purposes that he established before we were ever even born. Like, man, the things that he's placed in you, Caleb. Things that the acting and the various things that, man, just stir you up, he placed within you. He has purpose for her. And just like the physical garden, like we know, it's an ongoing labor of love to work in that. <laughs> the dreams that he's placed within us, like it, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes work, but gosh, I just... It convicted me to stand back and say, okay, Lord, the things that you prepared for me, those good works for me to walk in before I was ever born, am I walking in them? Am I devoting time to them, energy to them? And no matter how long we've walked with the Lord, no matter how old we get, it's always a good idea to come back to the Lord and say, am I walking in the things that you've prepared for me? Am I giving it the time and the attention? Am I, that, that vision that you've given for me? I know this sounds probably very basic, but this is kind of where we're starting. This is kind of ground zero. Hmm. I think it's important to dream the dreams that God has dreamt for us. Now, after we got our garden beds in place, the next most important thing probably the most important thing actually, 
was the soil in which we were gonna fill our beds. Last year I realized there was some junk soil I had put in those beds and it did not turn out the way that I wanted. Did some research and some digging and figured out, okay, soil's really important. And I'm not gonna get into the, the parable of the soils. Jake's done an incredible job. Like we literally just did this a handful of weeks ago in the Hidden Kingdom series. He taught on the parable of the soils and it's amazing and if you haven't listened, definitely go back. All of this goes hand in hand. But I do wanna show you guys this. It's a very unlikely parable for me to go to. <laughs> but Luke 13, six, check this out. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, listen, for three years I've come down for looking for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down, why should it even waste the soil? But his gardener replied to him, sir, leave it this year also until I can dig around it and I can fertilize it. Perhaps it will produce fruit next year, but if not, you can cut it down. Now, this parable has got a lot to it and a lot that is not what we're talking about. But what I wanted to draw your eyes to was they planted the fig tree in this garden for a purpose, to produce figs, and it's not doing it. And so the guy who owns the land is like, this is wasting space. There's plenty of other things that we can plant in its place that'll do what it's supposed to do. And the gardener's like, let me fertilize it. Let me dig around it. Let me amend the soil and give it the nutrients that it needs, the water that it needs, and then see what happens. And so I've found that soil's got, there's two things that make a soil fertile. And it's gonna be nutrients in the soil. Like gardeners talk about feeding the microbiome of the soil. There's all these kinds of microorganisms that you can't see with the naked eye that are going to work and, and there's oxygen and there's all these things that they're doing to create fertile soil. And then you need good irrigation. When teaching my kiddos, we're a homeschool family, we just started this past year, but we started in ancient history and the ancient civilizations, it was interesting, they would go and find places to live that were near water because the soil was rich and good for them to be able to plant crops in. And actually, it's interesting, the ancient Egyptians even figured out the Nile would actually flood every July and it would cover all of their ground, all of the crops, everything. But what they did was they found it was really beneficial for them to to dig out irrigation, it kind of looked like a grid. They would cut out these canals so that it would reserve the water that had overflowed so that they could use it throughout the year to be able to water the land, water their crops, give it the nutri nutrients that it needed. And I just stop and, guys, this might be really elementary, <laughs> but it needs nutrition and it needs water. And I mean, Jesus is the bread of life. And he's the well that never runs dry. Like, I know we know this, but are we applying that to our lives? It's his daily presence. Look at this verse, Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will always lead you. The Lord will. And he will satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden. Or some translations say a well-watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Jesus' daily presence provides us with the things that our hearts and lives need in order to be fruitful. It makes me think about Psalm 1, and we'll read just the first three verses. This is one of my favorites. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction 
and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Like that, that's a picture of Christ and our relationship to stay close to him, to root ourselves deeply within him. In the law of the Lord, his instruction, the word, it's our manna, it's the food that we need, it's the nutrition that we need. It's very, very important. I know it's elementary, but it's important to root ourselves in Jesus, to search the scriptures, to mine the scriptures, to find that be our daily bread, to be renewed in the rivers of his love. That's what creates fertile soil in which can be good for planting and for fruit bearing. And so we're gonna move into Galatians 6, 7. We're gonna talk about sowing and reaping. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. We sow, we grow what we sow. That's basically it. It's initially, like the very beginning of that verse, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. It sounds really intimidating at first, a little like reprimanding maybe even, but like this is true and it's, it's sober and it's exciting. What are, we, what are we sowing into our lives? Because there's gonna be something that comes up from it. We're always being sown into, whether it intentionally or not. When we were planting the vegetable garden, the thing that I kept reading over and over again when I was getting ready to purchase my seeds in like January was to grow what you love to eat. Like, don't waste time. Listen, I don't care that radishes are really easy to grow. I don't eat radishes. So like I'm not going to take up valuable space in my garden for something that I'm not gonna eat. My kids probably aren't gonna eat. I know Alex is not going to eat a radish. <laughs> so it just, it doesn't matter that I will get a crop from it. I'm not gonna take time doing that. But I love corn and I love watermelon and I love tomatoes and cucumbers. Like, yeah, I'll put time and energy into that. And part of that is because it's, it's a process when you sow something from seed. In the beginning, there's a lot of waiting and watching, and you still got to be watering and tending to the soil. And then when it does spring up, you're fighting weeds. It's a process going from seed to harvest. And if you're invested in it, like I'm invested in getting those tomatoes and that corn, like I'll do whatever it takes in order to see that through. I will protect those things. And so, really, it's about investment. We're always being sown into to our good or to our demise. Intentionally, not intentionally, there's stuff always being sown into us. So, really, we need to take a look at what are we consuming? Because when we're sitting and we're consuming something, whether that be words that have been spoken over us, words that are life, words that are death, there's... There's fruit that comes from that. What kinds of things are we sitting and we're taking in? What kinds of things are we listening to? Like, we're a whole-bodied being. We don't get to sit and just watch junk day after day and it not have some sort of effect within us because we're beings who sow and reap. Like, it's true in the natural world. It's true in the spiritual world as well. Like, last year... I realized that I needed to take a step back from the amount of news media that I was taking in because all that was reaping was like fear and anxiety and anger. And I realized this isn't, this isn't helpful. 
This is not what is good and beautiful. This is not the stuff that I want to cultivate in my life. I needed to step back so that I could get my heart right. And I didn't just step back. I needed to press my face into the chest of Jesus. And I needed to remember, like, yeah, you're the strong tower. You're leading us. You're making all things new. I had to rehearse scripture over myself in order to realign my heart. And listen, it's not a call to stop all those things, but it is definitely a call to be able to sit with Jesus and invite him in and say, what kind of relationship do you want me to have with these things? That's how we can live balanced. But on the good side of things, like, what am I wanting to grow in? If I'm wanting to grow in prayer, listen, it's never a one and done thing. You don't sow a seed in the natural world and just walk away. There's tending to. You're invested in this. So like, if I wanna grow in prayer, I don't read a book about prayer and then say, I'm good. I know all I need to know about prayer. Like, no, you invest yourself in it. You give yourself to that. Like, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna consume books from like greats like E.M. Bounds and I'm gonna learn how to pray and I'm gonna see what they have to say on prayer and I'm gonna search the scriptures and I'm gonna find places like John 17 where Jesus is praying for the disciples and for the future church, like for us. I'm observing how he regularly was getting away with the Father to reset. He was given to prayer. I wanna get around people who I admire their prayer lives and learn from them, be discipled by them you become a disciple of that thing that you're wanting to grow in. You, you give yourself, you invest yourself into that thing. And it says that we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Like keep, what is the vision that God has, has for your life? What are the things, the desires that he has placed within you? Give yourself to those things. Grow in them. Always be a student of those things. We've never arrived. Like we are always being transformed from glory to glory. We are ever being sanctified. So there is ever room for me to sit and invest in those things that God has stirred within my heart, becoming the person that God has created me to be. It's, it's a from glory to glory process. And I think it's important to take stock of what's currently growing in our lives and come to the Lord and say, is this what you want me to invest in? <laughs> or is this junk? This is like weeds. And we got to uproot it. We got to get it out of there. Hosea 10.12 says, Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. I like what F.B. Meyer has to say about this verse. He says, it is, is it not time that we should look into our hearts and lives and break up the fallow ground now covered with thorns and thistles and begin to sow in righteousness? Let us ask God to drive the plowshares of deep soul-searching and conviction across the hard and sterile acres of our hearts and sow them with his good seed. Like, we're not condemned because we're human and there's areas and acres of our hearts and lives that are fallow and covered with thorns and they're dry. We're not condemned because of that. Like, Jesus is a good and patient and loving gardener and he longs to come alongside us and, and show us what it is to sow the seed of the gospel in every corner of our lives. Like, we're not tending to these things alone. And ultimately, if we try and be like the master gardener of our lives, like, we will fail. We will find that we're up to our necks in weeds, and we are frustrated, and we are worn out and burnt out, and that's not the point. Like, we don't get to be the master of our lives. Like, God is king. Jesus is the king. He's the master gardener. And we're invited into shaping and cultivating a life of beauty to his glory. But like, it's, it's our hearts that are being tended to. And so we gotta lay ourselves bare before him and say, search my heart. 
find any wickedness in me and root it out. So that kind of leads us into talking about weeds. Um, we went on a family trip in May for 10 days. The garden had already been planted and, and everything. And I mean, we came back and there was a lot of growth that had happened, but there was a lot of weeds. Like weeds are this crazy thing that like you turn your back on it for a day and they're just everywhere. It's kind of exhausting. It's kind of exhausting. But I think there's something in that that we can learn from. Let's look at Proverbs 24, starting in verse 30. I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere. Weeds covered the ground and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and took it to heart. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber and your need like a bandit. We gotta look after our souls with all diligence. We have to. We're human and we sin and weeds come in, and again, we're, we're being made new in Christ. And he knows we're human. We're going to blow it. And we're not condemned by that when we are in Jesus. But if we desire to be marked by holiness that reflects the beauty and goodness of God, we have to be diligent to keep an eye out for sin and uproot it. When I'm getting after the weeds in my garden, I can't just go around and pluck the leaves off of it. You can't do that. You have to fully uproot that thing. Otherwise, it's just going to pop up here and here and here. And it's amazing how quick it will take over the garden. And not only does it take over the garden, it chokes out the good things that I want to be growing there. It steals the nutrients. It chokes it out. It stunts its growth. We have to be diligent to, okay, God, examine my heart. Create in me a clean heart find any wickedness in me. I want it dealt with. We have to be serious about our sin because it'll choke things out when we're not. I read a, or I listened to Christine Kane on a podcast a handful of weeks ago and she was talking about the human condition. She was specifically actually talking about all these stories <laughs> that we're hearing of people dismantling their faith, deconstructing their faith. And she was really just blunt and said, you know what? Like, if we do nothing, our human default is always to drift away from God, never to him. If I do nothing in my garden, weeds will take over. It's really prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I love that hymn. And I don't know that there is a single line in a hymn that captures the human condition more than that. I'm prone to wandering because I'm not in heaven yet. And I'm still human and I'm still flesh. I'm still made from this ground. And my default is falling away. And I have to be diligent to cling to Jesus. We have to look after the garden of our soul with all diligence. And I mean, that, that includes keeping spiritual practices, prayer, gathering together as the saints. We need each other. Because otherwise, with a shadow of a doubt, we'll find that the garden of our souls is entirely run over with weeds and the soil is dry and it's cracked and barren and it's not what we were made for. We were made by a good and beautiful God for goodness and beauty. Like, look after that, protect it. And I'll say this too. In Song of Solomon, there's a, there's a, a verse that says, 
catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that come in and destroy the vine. Like, I didn't have foxes this year with the garden, but I had feral cats. My life group knows this for sure. Amy knows this. I had feral cats, y'all. And they're coming in, and I have, like, been working my bum off to make this place beautiful. And there's cats coming in out of nowhere, and they're pooping on all of it. Not okay. And I mean, so we're, I'm, like, out there, like, figuring out what are, like, the humane ways I can get rid of cats, <laughs> like sprinkling, you know, things around that they don't like the smell of, or I'm putting like pine cones and things. I mean, it got to the point where I'm, I'm seriously looking at Alex, I'm like, we got a BB gun? And like, if we need to like take turns at night, like waiting up, like I'm getting rid of these cats, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> We have an enemy, too, that wants to rip us off from the goodness and beauty that he's cultivating in our lives. We have an enemy from the outside who wants to come in and he wants to destroy it all. He wants to destroy the vine that has been planted in our hearts and our lives. And we got to keep after our souls with all diligence. Like, you have access to the word, which is the sword of the spirit, which cuts bone, marrow, flesh, like it gets after the thing, like stomp out the enemy. When you see his little activities, I go outside like, oh, everything looks fine except for this pile of poop over here by the eggplants. Like still got an issue. (laughs) Like I had to keep after that, I had to keep a watchful eye and be diligent. And you know, sometimes like this is all really exhausting. Sowing seeds, cultivating these these lives, the land that God has given us, these lives God has given us. Going back to what my mom was always faithful to do, to cultivate the land that had been given to, to her, to turn it into a place of beauty. Like, this can be exhausting sometimes because sometimes there's unexpected things that come up and there's trials and there's heartache or sometimes it's just mundane. And it's the showing up every day and doing the same thing day in, day out. And is there even a point to any of this? Sometimes it's tiring. But I want us to look at this Psalm 126, starting in verse 5. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves with him. Pursuing goodness and beauty in the midst of trials, heartache, pain. Sometimes it's so mundane you're crying because it's mundane. (laughs) Having the hard conversations, going through grief, changing diapers day in and day out, making dinner a day in and day out, and I'm cleaning the house again, and there's point to it. Jesus is in this with us, and there's the promise that you show up and you faithfully steward what I've called you to and what I've given you. You will produce a harvest You won't be disappointed. I'm with you in this. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up. The Lord reminds me, he reminded me of Chinese bamboo. And Chinese bamboo is something that when you plant it from seed, you see nothing for five years. Nothing comes out of the ground for five years. Are you kidding me? You feel like an idiot year three with the watering can. Like, I'm watering dirt. It feels pointless. It feels like is anything ever even going to come from any of this? And what's wild is that year five, when the sprout comes, in five weeks it grows 90 feet tall. It's crazy, the explosive growth that happens. 
And now this is my own personal wonderings about this. I mean, if something grows 90 feet tall that quickly, I'm guessing that what you're not seeing below the surface the whole five years up to that point is all about root development so that there's an anchor in which when this thing comes and it's coming quick, it can withstand the wind and the rain and all the elements. It can actually stand tall and, and be and do what it was created to be and do. I mean, how much is that like our lives? There's a lot of life because, I mean, just like the natural world has seasons, like we, we go through seasons. And there's winter seasons where a lot of the, la the land is just fallow and there's nothing really exciting happening above the surface. And that bamboo, when the seed is planted, here's the, the catch is, it still has to daily be watered. It still has to have the soil that it's planted in, it has to be tended to so that it's nutrient rich. Otherwise that seed's not producing anything. But we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And you know, there's, there's the tree in Genesis and the garden in Genesis and there's the tree in the garden in Revelation and in between there's a whole other tree and a whole other garden I mean, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, sowing in tears. Three years of his ministry, sowing into these guys. I mean, they're confused when he dies. Like, I thought you were coming to like, kick the Roman armies behind. Like, it looks like, what is the point of that? And yet he carries with him those sheaves He's running for shouts of joy out of that grave because he knows what he's purchased is you and me. Like, Calvary is a tree of life for you and me. And that's the seed of hope in which he wants to just plant into every area of our lives, infuse it with his presence. He is with us in our laboring. And he's with us in our sowing, in our reaping, in our cultivating, in our tending. And here's the cool thing, is fruit carries seed with it. And that seed goes on to produce more fruit, which produces more seed and more fruit. And there's a legacy to seed sowing. If we continue to watch over it with diligence and not give up. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Remember those good works that he created us for? We talked about before we were ever even taking our first breath. Good works that he established for us beforehand. He's got the grace that we need to attend to these things. And then verse 10, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That seed multiplies. It has a legacy. So we can't give up. The seeds that have been sown into my heart and have been watered and tended to by others. Discipleship. Y'all, the prayers that my mom has prayed for me. The prayers that other people have prayed for me. The time that has been invested in me from my friends. Like, it produces fruit and it gives me seed in my hands to be able to carry in and scatter applying the hope of the gospel it gives me hope I've tasted and I've seen the Lord is good and I gotta share that with people because this world is broken like 
we're in a desert wasteland and, and we know the goodness and the hope of Jesus. Like, who are we to ever conceal that? And when we're tending to our lives and we're, we're protecting and we're being diligent to uproot sin so that the fruit that God is wanting to produce in our lives comes to full fruition. Y'all, people encounter you in your life, it's like walking into a garden and you just smell the fragrance of all that's growing in there. Like the fragrance of Jesus permeates your life when you do this. It's undeniable. Every relationship that we're sowing into is eternal. We're eternal. People are eternal beings. And the gospel, Peter calls the imperishable seed. It doesn't die. It doesn't decay. Imperishable seed has been sown in you and me. And you're carriers of that imperishable seed. So the ground became cursed in Genesis. But... I'm going to read this to us, and this is God's promise of redemption for us through Christ Jesus, out of his most beautiful love for us. It's a promise for the here and now, and it's a promise for the life to come, but also for the here and now. Isaiah 51.3, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all of her waste places and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and melodious song. And I wanna read what Charles Spurgeon has to say about this verse. This is good stuff, this is hope. This is our redeeming God. And he, he starts by painting the picture of like a pitiless waste, he says. You're in the Sahara, and there's like sun-bleached skeletons everywhere. Like, it is obvious that you're in a land of decay and death. And then he says, but behold and wonder upon a sudden upspringing from the scorching sand, I see a plant of renown. And as it grows, it buds, and the bud expands. It's a rose, and at its side, a lily bows its modest head, and miracle of miracles. As the fragrance of those flowers is diffused, the wilderness is transformed into a fruitful field and all around it blossoms exceedingly. The glory of Lebanon is given unto it. The excellency of Caramel and Sharon, call it not Sahara, call it paradise. Jesus is that plant of renown and his presence makes all things new. But lo, a jewel, or I would even say a seed has been thrown into your bosom by a divine hand. And for its sake you've been Loved and tended to by divine providence, you are washed and cleansed from your defilement. You are adopted into heaven's family, and that fair seal of love is upon your forehead. The ring of faithfulness is on your hand, and you are now a prince and a princess unto God, though once an orphan cast away. Oh, prize exceedingly the matchless power and grace which changes deserts into gardens and makes the barren heart sing for joy. Like, Jesus makes all things new. It's what we sang at the beginning. He's the only one who can transform a grave into a garden. Y'all, he's so good. He's so good. We were made for beauty. We were made by the 
good and loving God for goodness and beauty. We were made with capacity and potential. We were made to partner with him in that work of pointing others to his redeeming love. Like, I know things are hard, but God, Jesus can come and make his home in you and bear with you, and there can be purpose in the midst of suffering, mundane, even the exciting things. There's purpose. And there's legacy that's left behind when we join Jesus in his kingdom work of redeeming and restoring. That's what cultivating beauty is all about. Reminding the world that is dead and dying that there is goodness to be had. There's a God who loves them, who longs for that seed to be planted deep within them and hope to arise. Christ in me, the hope of glory to spring forth. And the, the scriptures say that grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Like, that's the imperishable seed. And when it's born within us, there's, there's legacy of hope that continues on far beyond us and into eternity. So, let's pray. God, you are so good. Thank you. Thank you for creating us for relationship with you. And God, that even when, when humanity fell, you immediately were at work restoring and redeeming. And we can hope through Christ Jesus. God, would you stir within us God, those things that that you planned ahead of time for our lives, those good works, that framework for our lives, that vision. God, would you remind us of those things that, hey, I place that within you for a purpose, for your good and for my glory. Would you remind us of those things? God, would you help us to be diligent, to protect the fruit that you are growing in our lives. Give us the boldness to be serious about sin and to root it out. God, I thank you that you are a patient and loving gardener. Thank you for your goodness and your beauty. We love you, Jesus, and in your name we pray, amen.